The sermon text is from Joshua 23, 1 to 13. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and its heads, its judges and its officers, and said to them, I am old now and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. This is the word of the Lord. So we've all seen that scene in a movie before where that the, one of the characters is standing on the edge of a cliff or the top of a building and they, they fall over the edge. And in that moment, they are at the last second caught by the hero. And there's a moment where there's, there's a struggle. They're both red-faced. The, the music builds up. The tension is, is filling the room. And then suddenly, at the last second, when it seems like all is lost, that the hero gets that final burst of strength and saves them. Triumph, right? Victory. They're saved. Salvation. We have to hold on for our lives. That's the message that Joshua gives the people in his farewell address. He says, hold on for your lives. He says, cling. He says, hold fast to the Lord your God. Grab a hold. Don't let go. Let him pull you up to safety or else if you don't, you're going to die. Now that might sound pretty extreme for a retirement speech, but that is the message that the people of Israel needed to hear and it's exactly the message that, that we need to hear. For Joshua, uh, this word of warning, it's, it's, it's not only a helpful instruction, it's not only helpful for us to hear it, but it, it is a reminder that what we really need is a hero who can pull us up to safety. 
What we really need is someone who can grab a hold of us when our strength begins to fail. And so today, as we consider what it means to hold fast to the Lord, I want us to see this, and I want us to be astonished by God's love for us. I want us to look at this passage, and and what I would love is that by the time we, we end this, we would experience the joy and wonder of of living life in God's grip. So to get us through this passage today, there's three points I've got for you. The first is that in this passage, we see the certain failure of God's people. The certain failure of God's people. And then secondly, we see the certain triumph of God. And then finally, we're going to see the joy that is available for us. So let's talk about the certain failure of, of the people. Early in my parenting days, probably when Ruby was really small, I remember having this conversation with somebody about buying those little socket protectors, you know, the things you put in the plugs so that your kids don't stick their fingers or stick something else into the outlets and electrocute themselves. And this woman who I was talking to laughed when she heard that. And she said, oh, that's not, my father never did things like that. In fact, my father, he encouraged me to stick my fingers into sockets he wanted me to learn the hard way. <laughs> and I heard that, and I was like, wow, that's messed up, <laughs> right? Because that, that's, that's a pretty terrible parent. If you love your small child, you want to protect them. You want to keep them away from things that are going to hurt them. You want to teach them not to touch, and then if they disobey you and they don't listen, then you, you might punish them. But the one thing a loving parent doesn't do is try to entice their children to do things that will harm them. God is a father who loves his children. And that's a point that comes across really clearly in this last speech that Joshua has to give. Um, Just to give you some context, this chapter 23 of Joshua picks up about 25 years after the main events. So all that stuff we've read about the last few weeks, now we're about 25 years later, Joshua is very old, he's about to die, and he he gives a couple of speeches at the end of his life. These are speeches to help prepare people for the day when he's not going to be around, and to prepare them for living life in the promised land. And the major theme that comes across in in this message is God's fatherly warning a fatherly prohibition. He says, cling to God, not to the nations. He says in verse 8, if you've got your Bibles, you can look at it with us. If you don't have a Bible, uh, take one of these. We would love to give you a Bible. We believe this is God's Word. We want everyone to have a copy. But verse 8 of Joshua 23, it says, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Then, verse 11, it says, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that they associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. 
So that word, you, hear, you heard it a couple times, right? Cling to the Lord. Don't cling to the nations. That word cling is a very specific word. It's the same one that we hear in Genesis chapter 2 where it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. It's this word of intimate connection. It's even as far as, as inseparability. It, it might be saying be glued to God. Become one with Him. Don't become one with the nations. Don't become like them, but become one with God. Become one with Him. And to tell us how serious this is, God gives us these guys these warnings. He says, just as all those good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord has given you if you transgress the covenant. In other words, God says, don't do it. If you fall into the sin of these nations, if you start to worship these dead and lifeless idols, if you follow them, you will get the same kind of judgment that they've just gotten. Just like them, you're going to lose the land. Now, it's worth pointing out here that that choice, the choice between clinging to God or clinging to the nations, is not a unique choice for the people of Israel. In fact, that is a choice that is given to every single person on earth throughout history. Every single person who has ever lived faces this choice between clinging to God or clinging to something else. We either cling to God and we become like Him, or we cling to idols and we become like them. Psalm 135, it says that. It says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. And so do all who trust in them. He says, you become what you worship. You become what you worship. Do you know that? Now maybe you're here and you're a skeptic, or maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you're not all that religious in general, and you say, well, okay, but... You, you become what you worship. Okay, but, but I don't worship anything. Well, yeah, you do. Everybody worships something. Even if you're not religious, everybody worships something. Now, the most popular gods to worship these days are money, sex, and power. Status, fame, knowledge, relationships. Those are some of the gods we worship, but really, it could be anything. The fact is, human beings are made to worship. You and me, each and every one of us, we are all born into this world empty-handed. We are aware that, that we come into this world with, with a lack. And we're looking for stuff to cling to. We're looking for something to hold on to. We're looking for something that can give our life meaning. And so we grab for things that can help define us. We always cling to something. And if you want to know what it is you might cling to, 
If you're not sure, if you can't think of what that thing is, just ask yourself, what is the thing in my life that if it went away, I would be shaken? What is that thing in my life that if it was gone, I couldn't continue to live? What dream or possession or person am I holding on to so tightly that I couldn't go on living without it? We're all clinging to something. But if that thing isn't Jesus, then eventually it's going to destroy us. Eventually that thing that we're clinging to is going to rule us and kill us. And instead of becoming the people we were created to be, instead of becoming more and more like the living God who created us in His image, we will become like our idols. We will become greedy, lustful, possessive, fearful, angry people. People who are so desperately trying to protect that thing that we think we can't live without. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen this? Maybe you've experienced that. Now, if you have any familiarity with Scripture, then you know how this story goes, right? It's, it's kind of hard to read Joshua 23 without knowing the rest of the story. That, that these people, they hear their Heavenly Father's warning, but eventually they ignore it, right? The people of Israel, they don't just stick their finger in the so- socket, but, but you know, they put their whole tongue in the socket. <laughs> Israel, they grow, they become a great nation. They have these powerful and triumphant kings, but slowly, over time, they start to turn away from God and turn to these idols. They start to turn away from this God who had given them this great gift and instead worship these lifeless gods that came with the people of Canaan. They turn from the Lord. The nation of Israel is conquered. And all the people, just like God promised, are removed from the land. They're taken into exile. Exactly what God warned about happens. Now, knowing that fact could make this kind of a bummer to read, right? Knowing that Israel failed could make this a very discouraging passage for us. Think about it, right? If these people couldn't do it, how are we supposed to do it? If these people couldn't cling to God, these people who saw the Jordan River part, who were fed with manna in the wilderness for 40 days, who had seen the walls of Jericho fall down, if these people couldn't do it, how are we supposed to do it? Well, the truth is, we can't. We are are no better than them. We will fail. Our grip is not strong enough. It is not possible for us, left to our own devices, to to follow that instruction, to cling to the Lord. Left on our own, we will certainly fail. None of us can do it. (laughs) That's the first point. Our certain failure. But the second thing I want to talk about is the good news. See, the good news for us is that this story 
isn't really about our grip. This story isn't really about our ability to cling to the Lord. It is about His. And when I say this story, I mean the story of Scripture. The story of God's people is a story of God's certain triumph. Israel does fail. They turn away from the Lord. God, but God, in that moment, He doesn't abandon them. Even when they're carried off to Babylon, He never leaves them. He never lets them go. He never stops working for their redemption. And this is the point I, I want to draw your attention to. Because we would be wrong to open this Bible and read this passage where, where Joshua says, cling to God and not to idols, and then we came away with the message, it's all up to me. I just have to be better than they were. You know, i got to work up the strength to do a better job than those people did. That's what it's going to take. Well, you know, that's a trap. That's what the Pharisees did. Do you remember them? In the New Testament, the Pharisees? the number one enemy of Jesus. They were a group of people who got so obsessed with their own good performance that they forgot what they actually needed was a Savior. It's a trap for us to think that way. The message of Joshua 23 is not you just need to try harder. I don't know that we could try harder, honestly. When I look at these people... I see some really faithful people. The Israelites we find in Joshua, they're like the best version of the Israelites. Have you noticed? They're not the Israelites from Exodus that are grumbling and complaining all the time. These are the Israelites who are, are moving forward with faith. They're, they're circling the walls of Jericho. They're, they're conquering the nation without complaining, without questioning. No, no, I see these people and I think... I, I can't be better than that. And, and you can't either. I see their holiness, and the first thing I think about is my sin and my shortcomings. I see their strength, and I see their bravery, and the first thing I think about is my cowardice, my weakness. I see how these people end up, and I think, what am I going to do? I'm hopeless. But then, I remember Jesus. Then I remember what we read just a moment ago from John chapter 10 where Jesus says, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them from My hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Gospel tells us that, that our grip is weak. But His is strong. Amen? Our grip is weak. But His is strong. Now we can think of all those little idols that we're clinging to. Those things that we hold on to so tightly. And I talked about how we really need to cling to the Lord. But the truth is, if we think about it rightly, it's not just that we cling to the Lord, but really in those moments, it is the Lord who is clinging to us. 
See, folks, the Christian life is a battle. We are at war all the time. We are at war with the world. We are at war with our flesh, and we are at war with the devil. And one of the greatest weapons that our enemy has is to convince us that in that fight, we are alone. That it's all up to us. But that is the opposite of what it means for us to be a Christian. We are not alone. In fact, Scripture tells us that that even in those moments when we are feeling like we've got to fight with every ounce of our being, when it is a a tooth and nail scraping up the side, when you are clenching your, your teeth and your abs, just trying whatever you can to be faithful to God, when it feels like you can't make it, it tells us that in those moments, that is when God is holding you most tightly. That He's the one that's doing the fighting. That He's the one that is giving you strength. Jude, the letter of Jude, it it declares triumphantly, it says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of God in His glory with great joy, he says, to the only God, to our Savior through Jesus Christ, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time now and forever. That is some pretty awesome news, guys. For any Christian in this room, that is amazing news because it means that God will certainly triumph in your life. Now, I don't actually love that translation that we just read, to him who is able. The word there, it's a very common word, and it does mean he's able. It's this word dunamis. But you know, that's also where in English we get our word dynamite. It's this word that God's able, but not just able. God is is mighty. He is powerful. He is explosive. Our God is powerful to present us, to keep us from stumbling, and to present us before Him blameless. He is the one who keeps us from falling. He will hold us fast. I'm reminded of Psalm 73. Where the psalmist, he says, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. I was envious of the arrogant. I I was jealous of the prosperity of wicked people. He says, but then I went into the sanctuary of the Lord and the Lord showed me the truth. And listen to what he learned. He said, I am continually with you and you hold my right hand. You cling to me. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart, they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and He is my portion forever. Wow. Now I say all that because I know that there are some of you here today who are in that same spot. You're in that place where your feet have almost stumbled. Or maybe you're even further than that. Maybe you have already fallen flat on your face. You are wrapped up in your sin. 
And you are clinging to your idols. The enemy has you right where he wants you. He's already filled your mind with all those lies. With all those accusations. He's telling you. Maybe you aren't even a Christian at all. Maybe you should just give up. You don't have what it takes. You've already failed. You might as well just let go. But here's the thing. If you belong to Jesus, even if you do let go, He won't let you go. Remember, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. If you belong to the Lord, you will not fall because it's not about your grip. It's about His. The Christian faith, it's not about your likely failure. It is about God's certain triumph. Amen. So, what does that mean for us? I want to talk for just a second about why that matters for us. I want to talk about the joy and the rest that is available for you today. And this message is something that's really close to my heart. Um, because I know that, that this place of insecurity, this place of doubting God's love for me, it's somewhere that I've been trapped for a long time. Even when I was getting up here praying before the sermon, just that idea that, that I'm a friend of God, it's hard for me to believe that. God warns Israel. He says, do not cling to the things of the world. And He tells them that because He loves them. He tells them that because He wants to know, He wants them to know the consequences of falling into the worship of idols, of falling into sin. He doesn't want His children to face those consequences. He, he doesn't want them to experience that pain. But do you know that just because He tells them that, it doesn't mean He loves them less. When I tell my kids not to put their fingers in sockets, it's because I love them. And when they disobey and they get hurt, I, I, I get upset. I might get angry. But it doesn't mean I love them less. It doesn't mean I, I can't still kneel down in front of them and look them in the eyes and tell them the things about them that give me joy, that bring me delight. But I struggle to hear that same thing from my Heavenly Father. I struggle to believe that, that God, even in my failures, even when I do stupid stuff that hurts me and, and hurts the people around me, I, I struggle to believe that, that God could still love me there. But He does. And He loves you. He, he loves us so much. And we don't even realize it. 
I mean, think about this. If, if, you bought some, if, you, if you emptied your bank account to buy something, if you sold your, your, your house or, or your car, or if you, if you gave every penny you had to buy a thing, how are you going to treat that thing? Well, you're, you're definitely not going to post it on uh, you know, everything free JP tomorrow, right? You're not going to put it on the curb for trash pickup. You're going to guard it. You're going to cherish it. That thing is, is worth everything you have. You're going to guard it with your life. God has done a lot more than empty his bank account for you. God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. And I know we all hear that a thousand times. We talk about it every week at church. It's, it's hard for us to, to understand that concept because we're so familiar with the words. But that's how much you are worth to him. He gave the most precious thing in existence to purchase your soul. And he clings to you. He loves you. He values you. We sang that today, right? We sang, he will hold me fast. Did you hear it when you sang the words? When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold, but he must hold me fast. I wonder if we could really hear Jesus saying that to us today. How would our life be different if we could believe that God cherishes us like that? If we could believe that the living God is clinging to us at this moment, that He loves you, that He values you, that He wants to be with you, that He calls you friend, that you are delightful to Him. How much joy would that give you this afternoon if you really believed it? What works could you rest from? What would it be like to soak in His love instead of fretting over your own ability this week? I want us to hear it. I want you to hear Jesus saying that to you. It's John chapter 10. I won't let you go. No one can snatch you out of my hands. Listen to it as if God was saying it. The words of that song. When you fear, your faith will fail. I will hold you fast. When the tempter would prevail, I will hold you fast. You could never keep your hold through life's fearful path. For your love for me is often cold. But I will hold you fast. Joshua, he says, don't cling to the world. Cling to Jesus. And I know that we all come here and we are beaten down and we are, are broken and we have all come here and we have all been clinging to the world in some kind of way. It is true that our love for God is often cold. But His love is not. His love burns for you. 
His grip is strong. And He is going to pull you to safety if you'll just let Him. Receive that today. Let go of your fears and doubts. Let go of your idols that you're clinging to and instead let Him cling to you. It's not about the strength of your grip, but the strength of the one you're holding on to. He won't let you go. I promise. But more importantly, He promises. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for the the words that You speak to us. No one can snatch us out of Your hands. If they could, I would certainly be gone by now. Lord, I thank You that You love us. I thank You for every person in this room who You know. And Lord, I want to pray for anybody here who, who... is still clinging to the world, who has never turned to You in repentance and faith, Lord, I pray that today would be the day. God, I pray You'd save souls here this morning. Lord, I pray for all of us who are coming in here full of guilt and shame, who can't believe Your promises. Lord, would You break in? Would You show us the reality? And would You change us? Lord, as we feel Your love, And the freedom that comes from us, God, would You transform us into people who are holy like You? God, we're grateful for Your grip. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.